Wayne. I'm Aaron. This is Paul. This is Wayne. And this is Tim. Well, hello, guys. Hello. I uh, have had a very irritating week. Oh. Um, you know, it's been a stressful week here in Texas with uh, the uh, Hurricane Harvey stuff going on and uh, you know, we've got we've got folks at, at, at work down in uh, down in the Houston area. So every, all day, every day has been Harvey all week long. And I'd like to point out that, uh, you know, the press irritates me uh, on a daily basis since Thursday, telling me that there's not a fuel shortage. But I'm telling you, when there is no gas at the gas pump, there is a shortage. I'm just saying. So it sounds like you should have been doing Paul's lifestyle and running to work every day. That's right. That's right. You know, like, you know, Paul ran three and a half uh, uh, for three and a half hours yesterday, ran, I believe, a total of 18 miles. Um, and that's because he couldn't get gas. So, uh, you know, he was just he was just out there running his errands. You know, OK, well, I got to run over here and, and, and get get a carton of milk and and some condoms. And over there, I've got to I've got to get, uh, you know, uh, a Funko Pop. And, uh, you know, and, and he ran his way, ran his way, not into the speed force, but into Force Friday. I did. Look at that. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> Force Friday, uh, I think we've talked about this the last two years now, uh, was a, a thing that was started um, in 2015 for Force Awakens. And I say that, but ultimately every big Star Wars movie release for the toy lines has had some type of midnight party, but um, they started calling it force Friday with the force awakens. And so what happens is basically everyone releases their first line of star Wars merchandise on that day. It happened for force awakens. It happened for rogue one. And this September 1st was the one for um, the last Jedi. And so we're talking Hasbro Funko um, Sphero. I'm just going to look, Keep going down the names of uh, brands that end in O. Yes, um, sucko. <laughs> sucko. <laughs> um, but basically, everyone had some type of Force Friday event. The Apple stores had Force Friday event. Bed Bath and Beyond, Hot Topic, Fye, Toys R Us, Walmart, Target, etc., etc. Um, Petco. 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 Petco had Star Wars stuff. That's that's actually not uh-huh. a joke. Um, no, it's not. I, they, they sent me an email yesterday going, hey, you need some Star Wars stuff for your dogs. And Aaron's like, I do. Um, <laughs> so I, uh, y- you guys know how I do. Um, so I went to the Force Friday event at the local uh, Toys R Us. And, you know, I so for Rogue One, I showed up like 9, 30, 10 o'clock because I wasn't really feeling it. And I, I wasn't. I was also not feeling the Last Jedi stuff. I, uh, I felt like, eh, you know, I've, I've, I've got, <laughs> I've got enough stuff. <laughs> okay, okay. Here, so here's the question. I'm going to cut to the chase. You weren't feeling it, Paul. How much money was not feeling it? I'm just going to go there. End result: about a hundred bucks. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but thirty of it was spent on the Fantasy Flight Star Wars Destiny Last Jedi card game. Okay. Um, the rest of it was spent on Funko Pops and ten bucks on a toy for my brother. Um, but so uh, I, I I drove by Toys R Us. You know, I went and got some dinner, and I drove by Toys R Us around seven o'clock, and there were there was a line already, and I'm like, God damn it! <laughs> so I pulled my car up, and I got in the line, and I will tell you, I was only like fifth person in line at that point. The first guy got there at three o'clock. The second group of guys got there at five o'clock. 
Keep in mind, this thing starts at midnight. Um, I got there at 7 o'clock. Not another person showed up until 9 o'clock. I'm like, I could have showed up two hours later and had the same spot in line. Um, See, you had the right idea for uh, for Force Awakens when you sent the girlfriend to be in line instead. <laughs> there was that. Yeah, you need someone. You need to take shifts. But ultimately, I had, this time I was smart. I had a lawn chair. I brought my iPad. I read the Dr. Afra annual. I don't think you can say this time I was smart when you're in line to go buy a Pop Funko five hours at a time. People are like, what are you here to buy? And I'm like, I don't know that I'm buying anything. I'm pretty much just here to film this stuff for the for the website. (laughs) And um, I mean, I only walked out like I think I bought like three Funko Pops there. It wasn't a big deal. Um, And then the next morning I went to Target and picked up a couple more things. And that's where I saw the the Fantasy Flight games, uh, Star Wars Destiny, which it's not like I have someone to play that with, but I, I, I really was interested in it. So I, I will find someone to play Destiny with me. You know, I, I got to tell you, Paul, I, I experienced very much similar things at Gen Con. I was into my like fifth board game that I bought, and I'm like, I don't have three other friends that will play this fucking game with me. <laughs> <laughs> well, and here's the thing. Like, Jen, will, she'll play a board game with me or something like that, but I don't know that a Star Wars card game is necessarily something that she would be interested in. Um, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> so I will find someone I'll, I'll, I'll invite someone for dinner and just break it out. That's like, right. Hey. That's what you do. You just spring it on them, Paul. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, Oh, dinner's going to be like another half hour. It's in the oven. However, you know what will take a half an hour is a game of star Wars destiny. That's right. It's sort of, table. it's sort of the, the, the same strategy for butt sex. Right? I always, God damn it. Aaron, I was just going to go there. <laughs> You're not, not going to like it until I make you like it, and then you'll love it. <laughs> I, I have a game I've been dying to play. I kickstarted it, and I just haven't had a chance to break it out. It's called uh, Bears vs. Babies. Uh, it is by the same folks who made Exploding Kittens, and it's uh, Bears yeah. vs. Horrible, Horrible Babies. I, I almost kickstarted that. That's that, yeah, that, a great the, – the 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 artwork on the game is just fantastic and the, the gameplay looks terrific and I'm, I'm hoping to break it out this weekend well hey maybe for uh, mancon 2018 we can just scrap any savage worlds games and just throw up cooperative card games or competitive there card you gaming. Go. yeah exactly tim can bring his dc deck building game it's the 90s all over again we'll let ccgs <laughs> replace role-playing <laughs> <laughs> i have six slots worth of new games to play like no bullshit <laughs> You know, it's kind of kind of side skilter to this a little bit, but in the same line, um, you were talking about PetSmart having Star Wars stuff and trying to get it. I I went to a Hobby Lobby for the first time in like years the other day, and you wouldn't believe some of the cool like comic book stuff oh, like yeah. for like design that was there. Oh yeah, yeah. Hobby Lobby's got a great little man cave section where you know like yeah. framed art and whatnot. I, I I've got some of that stuff hanging up here in my man cave. Like I've got a great big uh, four foot long uh, blueprint of the original Enterprise, you know, uh, from Star Trek. It's really nice. I mean, they they've got some terrific stuff there. Yeah. Before we venture too far away from games, though, I've got to ask Wayne something because I saw something this week that is like so up Wayne's alley. All right. Wayne, have you seen the Pugmire role playing game? 
I haven't a I, role-playing game where you role-play dog. I know with it. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know of it. I haven't actually seen it. It was uh, kickstarted. And uh, I can't remember who did yeah. the game. Yeah, it, it's uh, Eddie Webb is one of the developers on the game. There's there's a couple of guys from uh, White Wolf who developed the game. And, you know, it's uh, several hundred years after the fall of man. And, you know, dogs are uh, are, uh, you know, anthropomorphized and and are, you know, uh, they have their own culture and they follow the code of man. Looks really interesting. Yeah, he wrote a Pugmire short story. In uh, the second anthology book that Fear the Boot put out. Oh, really? So there's actually some Pugmire fiction out there, too. Huh. Well, I, I, I saw that this week, and they're selling it. You can buy it electronically on uh, DriveThruRPG right now, which is how, how it came across my desk. Uh, so I'm a little fascinated by it. But, you know, I like, like Tim, I only have three friends. So, uh, you know, mm-hmm. y'all can expect a Pugmire game in your future. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I choose the tabby cat Aaron I don't want to be different and amazing <laughs> oh no Andrew already called all cat people damn it fucking Andrew fucking Andrew I have so many games that I never get to play because they're the same thing either that or I'll have a group that's a certain size and they'll be uh, like let's say it's six people and the games only go up to five yeah I hate people. There's yeah. never enough of them or there's always too many of them. It's never just right. It's or, never the Goldilocks solution, right? Or it's never the right people. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, I get together with people who's like, you know, these people kind of suck. Like, <laughs> These are the worst people. That's why mankind's amazing. <laughs> like, these are the that, right people. <laughs> that's right. That's right. The right people right now. Oh, yeah. I feel like we have deviated wildly from Paul's outline. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we I don't have Paul's... a problem with that. And Aaron, I always like to say you're Mr. Right now. <laughs> uh, uh, thanks, Wayne. Right back at you, chief. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I, you know what? I kind of defend our right to do so because Paul always deviates from the outline. I do. It's it's it is kind of a moral imperative every time we record to not follow the outline. Do you defend it, Tim? As I if do. you were a defender, I, I do. W- with with better with better choreographers too, actually. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, I finished the Defenders. Me too. On Netflix, and uh, I am really curious, Tim. I, we're not going to spoil anything because we got two people on the show who haven't uh, finished watching it yet. So, uh, Tim, uh, spoiler-free review. What do you think? Um, I think they listened to us, Aaron, and I feel like they went to the daredevil choreographers and said, yeah, you need to work with Finn Jones like right now, like until we start filming, because I, I, I feel like he, he did a better job. I I feel like with without getting spoilery, I, I, th- I thought it was kind of a, a B plus story that had a lot of good moments. That That's where I would go with it. Um, man, I can't I can't get spoilery. So I, I there's a couple things that I don't want to ruin for anybody, but. There's some, you know, there's, it's very interesting to see how they weave in the, the secondary characters, I'll say, but it's also a little ham fisted. Yeah, completely agree. I, 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 I was, I, I was very satisfied with the story. Um, I was more than pleased with the level of fight choreography because, you know, as you said, the Iron Fist choreography was 
just terrible in uh, the Iron Fist series. But, you know, Danny Rand becomes much more competent in Defenders. Um, you know, and I, I think that has something to do with the fact that, you know, Daredevil's there and you perform up. <laughs> when uh, when uh, you've got someone competent nearby, um, I, I I really enjoyed it. It was so refreshing after having watched Iron Fist. So along those lines, I've heard a complaint that I'm kind of curious what you guys thought of. Uh, I've heard that Jessica Jones doesn't really get to do any of the, like the super strength things. Like there's a couple moments where it's time for super strength, and they have Luke step up and do it. That's not true. She yeah, she has her. she has her moments where she does it. It's more more towards the end of the series that you see that. But no, she does well, her moments. And I, I would say that her moments are a lot more subdued uh, than perhaps the other three characters. But I think that that plays a lot to her character that she is not a bombastic sort of you know in your face sort of hero. She's that reluctant hero. And so she 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 doesn't lean into it as hard as the other three guys do. Then it's not it's not highlighted like it's in the middle of like other things happening and she she'll hit somebody and they'll like like they're shot out of a cannon. But you're right. Watching everything else because. Right. It's hard not to watch Daredevil fight, you know, <laughs> yeah. or whatever. But, you know, she does have their moments. I mean, she 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 saves her teammates lives uh, at least one one time that I can think of in, mm-hmm. in the in the show. So uh, she does have her moments, but she, I would not say that she is featured as heavily as a hero in the, in the show. She is much more, you know, the detective in the show. So you're seeing her detective skills play out more than you're seeing her, you know, hit things really hard skills. And there was a really good moment of that. And it was pretty early in the series where I was like, Oh, look at that. Pretty swift. Yeah, I like her. Yeah, and I'm glad we're think, getting. I'm glad we're getting a second se- season of that show. I don't think anybody had. Uh, I don't think anybody took a backseat. Is what I'll say. Yeah, um, I, I agree. Ahead. I agree. No, I'm just saying I agree. I, I think that uh, everyone got their fair share in the limelight. I'm not sure if you were a really big like comic book Iron Fist fan that this would have helped you though. Let's put it that way, because they the, the he's kind of a running joke. Let's just put it that way. Uh huh. Um, yeah, I yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I think I, I think they uh, <laughs> they appropriately abused Danny Rand. But you do see that blossoming of the relationship between Danny and Luke, which was nice to see. That was that was good. And I think that that might be the end of them making fun of him. I think they were trying to get across how young he is or naive or something, mm-hmm. which makes sense, because anybody who's seen the, his actual show could would have said the same thing. Maybe they were acknowledging that his actual show was bad. <laughs> that might be that might be what they were doing. Um, I I think they have acknowledged that right. They're bringing in a new showrunner. They're actually training him. Like I think they're really trying to make season two a thing. Um, I, I'm I'm surprised there's a season two. I feel like that's a bit forced. Like give me new characters instead of season two on bad bad things. You know I will say I finally finished Luke Cage season one this year this week. Mm. And. Um, I, I, I mirror everyone's um, opinion of the show, which is that the first six or seven episodes, like the first episode's rough, and then it gets really good. And then there's the twist, and they, they, they introduce, I mean, I'm, I don't, I'm trying not to spoil it for, for anyone who hasn't seen it, but there's a twist. They bring in a new character to replace a character, um, 
And from that point on, the show just becomes a lot less interesting. I I sort of feel like that may be the case with this show too. Ah, okay. I don't I don't know how Aaron feels about it, but I there's a moment where things turn, and I'm like, oh, it was so much better before. <laughs> I don't know how much more uh, I I can get into it, Aaron, but you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah, I do, and uh, I I agree. It it uh, it lost some pacing when that occurred. Hmm. Well, you know, we're talking about TV shows, and so they announced, I think, um, I don't know if it was at the end of The Defenders or, you know, if it was just online, but that Punisher is going to be released uh, on Netflix this year, not next year. So we're going to get a three new series, this or three new seasons of shows this year from Netflix between Iron Fist, Defenders, and now Punisher. Have um, they given us a date for Punisher? They have not yet. But they do have all the episode titles um, released, and they just said 2017. I would imagine it's probably November. Yeah, probably Thanksgiving weekend. That was a big weekend for Netflix last year with the uh, Gilmore revival. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It was. I'm I'm sorry. I I hate that I know these things, but but that was a huge uh, Netflix weekend. I just – I know you're so serious. That's what made it funnier. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can't wait for Halloween when Stranger Things Season 2 drops. Oh, yeah. Looking forward to that one too. I – It looks so good, Tim. What was that, Tim? What was that? Oh, I'm sorry. Tim hates horror. I forgot. I like like Stranger Things. I don't know how you make a second season. I I feel like that was the appropriate amount of that story. See, I don't know. Maybe I'll feel different when I see it, but eh. I think they have. So they have already announced that they have four. They have a four season storyline in mind. Um, like so, they, they they said four and done because it's already you know they've already announced that there's definitely going to be a season three, and you know there's going to be a season four. So I think they're, they're they they have their plan, and you can tell that there is more to the story. So I I'm okay with season two of Stranger Things. It's funny because Aaron was saying he's looking forward to season two of Luke Cage and Jessica Jones, and I am not. Um, I think, you know, I, I think Luke Cage's, and I haven't seen The Defenders, but I thought Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, like, I don't need more of either of those characters. I haven't seen Iron I, Fist yet. I do. I need lots more. I Just give me Defenders. Give me new characters. I want Marvel to take other characters and put them on Netflix. You know, give me Ghost Rider. Give me the Spirits of Vengeance. Give me, you know, the yes. Blade. Give me Blade. If they did a Midnight Sun series, I would get so excited for that. I, I'm surprised they haven't, and I, I get that. You know, I get that they there's only so much that Jeff Loeb can do. Um, you know, he he's they, they've got Agents of Shield, they've got coming up the Inhumans, they've got all the Netflix shows. It, it's limited in what they can do. They can't do as many TV shows as they can do comics. But I I feel like I don't need season two of Iron Fist and Luke Cage and Jessica Jones. Give me season one of Ghost Rider. You know, branch out a little bit. I'm and, hoping there's not an issue with that since uh, Ghost Rider was on Agents of Shield. Yeah, but the character, you know, give me that character. I thought the actor was fine. Um, I thought the portrayal was fine. You know, we're, we're talking about this. And so uh, the other day on Twitter or something, there was this, you know, like a survey thing. And it's like, which fall TV show based on a comic are you most looking forward to? And it listed The Inhumans. It listed The Gifted. It listed Runaways. And it listed Happy. And I looked at it and I said... I'm not looking forward to any of those. Ooh, wait, wait, go back. There's a Runaway series? Yeah, for Hulu. Oh, I don't do Hulu. But I, I loved Runaways in the comics. Yeah, there's a Runaway series coming in November to Hulu. You, you should have just wrote in Gotham. Like, done. 
I mean, there's all the returning shows, right? There's Fear the Walking Dead, Gotham, Lucifer, Supergirl, Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, Riverdale, Arrow, The Walking Dead. Um, I'm still really excited about Cloak and Dagger when it comes out. Yeah, that's not listed in the fall shows for some reason. Maybe it's uh, early 2018 type thing. Yeah, see, I don't think it starts in fall. So did anybody else finish Riverdale or was it just me? Oh, hell yeah, I watched Riverdale. Okay. I'm not done with it, but I'm still watching it. I was marathoning it the other day. I really enjoy it. Okay, good. I, I don't know if I was just wrong. <laughs> no. Riverdale I was kind of scared. I was kind of scared. It was going to be one of those moments like, I like this, and everybody on the podcast is like, this is terrible, and you're a terrible person. <laughs> it has that um, It has that, that same sensibility that we liked about Afterlife with Archie. It's the same writer yeah. um, that, that did that comic series. So it has that sensibility, like that adult, like, oh, is there incest going on? Is there this? Is the, you know, it's, it's got that dark stuff to it. That, and I really like it. I, I really enjoy Riverdale. Yeah, so I've been marathoning to catch up with it, but no, I haven't finished the season, but I'm definitely still watching it and love it. They, they chose the right cast for those roles. And, 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 and I, I understand the irony of us talking about Riverdale, an Archie TV show, when we just gave Aaron shit about Gossip Girl, or not Gossip Girl, Gilmore Girls. <laughs> exactly, Paul. Exactly. Aaron was just <laughs> waiting for his moment. Um, but yeah, those new fall TV shows, I'm not looking forward to any of them. I gotta say, uh, The Inhumans is playing right now in IMAX theaters, and I have zero desire to see it. And from what I, I, I mean, I was curious at first, then I saw the trailer, then I read the reviews... And it's pretty much, I don't think it's going to last more than one season. Star Trek Discovery is the only thing I'm looking forward to for, for the fall. Yeah, I, I and I will say, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to the return of The Exorcist. Oh, See, and uh, uh, got the Orwell. Oh, yeah. Orwell? Yes, I'm looking forward to Orwell. Discovery, or I, Orville, that's what it is. Yeah, Discovery I won't see because I'm not getting that channel. Oh, and did you see that uh, Black Mirror has a Star Trek-inspired uh, episode as well This in their, their new season that's coming out? So uh, I'm looking forward to that as well. You know, I haven't seen actually anything. I, I didn't mean to cut you off. I haven't seen anything since the first season of Black Mirror, which I loved. I just uh, And I know it's all on Netflix. Um, I, I need to give it a shot. You know, it's kind of like a modern day – for anyone who hasn't heard of it, it's kind of like a modern day Twilight Zone. Um, really well thought out, well written episodes. Um, very dark in, in in its humor and satire, but definitely interesting. I hadn't and heard really, of it. Really, with a strong bent on technology, you mm-hmm. know, on on how it's true science fiction. It's how technology impacts the way people live and the way events will unfold. So, like the very first episode of uh, of Black Mirror is a a, a the uh, princess, and it's sort of an allegory to um, you know a very popular princess such as Diana or or Princess Kate uh, is abducted, and the ter- the person that has abducted her says, "We will release her if the prime minister has sex with the pig on TV," and the story rolls from there. Um, and it's it's horrifying. Yeah, <laughs> the the episode is horrifying. It's so well written. And oh, absolutely. To your point, absolutely. It is true science fiction. Yeah, it is true science fiction and fantastic casts in each episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I always forget this actor's name, but you know, you've seen him in a bazillion BBC productions, and he was the guy that played the monster in uh, Penny Dreadful in that oh, first yeah, episode. Oh, yeah, Rory something. Yeah, Rory something Kinnear. or other. Rory and I, I just. 
Yeah, I love him. He is such a good actor, and he plays that prime minister so well in that first episode of Black Mirror. Um, so I, I highly recommend Black Mirror, and it's an anthology show, so every, the, each story is different week after week with a different uh, setting, different char- list of characters. Um, so you know, you can watch them out of order. You can, you know, you you, you aren't pressed in a series fashion to watch that. You so pretty I, much I, sold me on that description of episode one. It's so yeah, good. It's, it's, it's it is traumatizing. So good. <laughs> it is. It is. It's. I mean, you walk away from it going, I'm really glad I saw that, and I really wish I hadn't seen that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just – it's a the, – the, 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 the emotional pressures and the political pressures placed on the prime minister are just horrifying. And the, really, the, the thing that's really horrifying about that episode is that it is – it's not future – tech it's tech that exists right now yeah right now <laughs> so definitely check out black mirror um you know i was also reading this morning and i added it to the outline i don't know if you guys uh see it there that i put joker on the outline because we aaron and i talked i think last week about how they were martin scorsese and todd phillips are teaming up to do this joker movie for dc not from the dc eu but its own thing, Joker, like a Joker origin story, is what I'm hearing. It's supposed to be. And this morning, the rumor is that it would that they're they're hoping Leonardo DiCaprio um, would would play the role. And I just I don't know. I don't know about that movie. I don't think it's gonna no. happen. And we said that last week that we this feels like something that's gonna die on the vine eventually. Um, but it, it just feels like. What are, like just don't make a Joker movie then? <laughs> like why? What is going on here? Yeah, that doesn't sound the best. I got to be honest. I mean, don't get me wrong. You, you Martin Scorsese, Todd Phillips, Leonardo DiCaprio want to make a movie? Great. You want to make a DC movie? Great. But I don't know about a Joker movie. <laughs> um, you know, give me like a One Hundred Bullets or you know something to that effect. But I don't know about the the, the them pursuing this Joker origin story. Yeah. I love Joker's one of my favorite characters. I love the idea of a Joker movie. The moment you said Leonardo DiCaprio playing him, though, give me a Gotham Central movie, you know, that kind of thing. Um, Because who's playing? uh, uh, J.K. Simmons is playing Commissioner Gordon. Give me a Gotham Central movie with Renee Montoya and um, Harvey Bullock, and you know, then you can pull in the Scorsese. I would be all about that, but I just don't know about this Joker origin stuff. Well, and in other DC movie news, Aaron, I don't know if you had read the back matter in this week's Jack Kirby specials. I don't believe I did. Um, so the you know Mark Evanier does like a little back page on each of these books, and uh, his his Dark Side one kind of makes reference to the fact that Dark Side's going to be in the Justice League movie. Um, right. And so we, we we kind of assumed that that was going to happen, given the boom tubes and the parademons and the Steppenwolf, but. Uh, Mark Evanier pretty much confirmed it on those back pages that that it's going to happen. Yeah, I, I, you know, uh, we, we always see Stan Lee in the Marvel movies, but you know, just as present is the you know big old thumbprint of uh, of Jack Kirby on, on on the Marvel and the DC films. Um, so I, I I will be very interested to see what uh, what Dark Side looks like in the DC universe. Oh yeah. And, you know, since we're talking about Jack Kirby, let's talk about the two Jack Kirby specials that came out this week, Black Racer and Dark Side. Um, 
you know, I, I we've been looking forward to Dark Side since the start of this whole Jack Kirby 100 line. Aaron, what did you think of them? Um, so, so the Dark Side book, on the one hand, um, I very much enjoy the Scott Collins art. I, you know, I, when Scott Collins was doing Flash, um, I was not real wild about his artwork, but I absolutely adore the work he's done on Blue Beetle and the this this dark side work. In fact, the more he draws uh, characters like Doctor Fate and just any Kirby character, um, it's just amazing. The the texture, the colors, um, the line art is just so well defined, and he's just got such a great handle on these just over the top sort of bombastic characters. So completely dug the art. The thing that I disliked about the book was that. The, the story is is not really about dark side. It's about a person's response to dark side, um, which I guess is a valid point of view. But when it's a dark side special, I really expect something more dark side focused. I 100% um, agree and that's what I found frustrating about the book. Yeah, I, I 100% yeah. agree with you. I read that book and I'm like, this isn't about Dark Side. And don't get me wrong, it has some good Dark Side moments, but just give me a Dark Side book. I, that character is interesting enough, and you can bring, and the Furies were in it, but you know, you can have Dark, dark Side's interaction with, um, who's the, the, the mommy character? Um, his wife. Oh, at first I thought you were thinking Granny Goodness. Granny Goodness, yeah. Um, and, and, you know, it, 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 you can have his interaction with some of these larger-than-life New Gods characters on Apocalypse, but Darkseid is in the book very minimally. It's about a, like a, a freedom fighter um, and, and her interaction with Darkseid. So from that standpoint, it was disappointing. If I had gone in expecting that, like if this was, a, if this was a, the New Gods special or an Apocalypse special, I would have been fine. But I've been looking forward to a dark side story. And unfortunately, right. I didn't really get that here. I, 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 this is the type of stuff that um, these are the types of books that I'm not a fan of where you throw like The Punisher or Kingpin or something. The, the, the title of the book is The Punisher. The title of the book is The Kingpin. Or in this case, the title of the book is Dark Side. But, you know, they don't show up. They, they only show up in the shadows or on the last couple pages or something like that. And it's more about how people react to them. Not a fan of those types of stories. It wasn't a bad story. It's just not what I was hoping for. And Mark Evanier wrote it. Yeah. And it definitely has that classic Kirby Evanier sensibility. So I did like the writing. It's just a different mm -hmm. story than I was hoping for. Yeah, it just it just wasn't what you what you wanted. You know, you wanted something that's kind of dark side on every page, every panel. And you don't get that. Yeah. So what did you think about the Black Racer, Paul? Um, you know. And hold on. Hold on. Here he comes. Here comes Black Racer. He's a demon on skis. <laughs> <laughs> have you been practicing that since Wednesday? I have, yes. It, it came out good. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I, I liked the Black Racer book. Um, you know, the, the Black Racer book, uh, it's black. It's the Shiloh Norman, um, Mr. Miracle, not the... Um, Scott Free, Mr. Miracle, and uh, his interaction with the Black Racer. The book's written by Reginald Hutlin, art by Dennis Cowan and Ryan Benjamin. And, and I gotta say, Aaron, I, and and I, I shouldn't skip over the the inker. Um, inks by Bill Sinkevich and Richard Friend. So this definitely has that Sinkevich feel to it because Sinkevich can't ink someone else's art and not make it look like a Sinkevich book. <laughs> um, exactly. But, yeah, I mean, I I, th I thought that it was 
penciled by Bill Sienkiewicz. I mean, until I read the credits, I was like, wow, okay. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed this book. Uh, I, I feel like, you know, with Reginald Hutland and Dennis Cowan uh, being the primary uh, creative team behind the book, it felt it felt like ja- like New Gods by way of Milestone. Um, Milestone comics being hardware, static, books like that. Um, if it had that sensibility, and that's because, you know, Reginald Hutland and Dennis Cowan both had um, both had both African-American uh, had a, a big part in that milestone line of books. So it, it had that feel to me. And I enjoyed the book. Um, I enjoyed, you know, it's basically Mr. Miracle trying to escape death. Shiloh Norman, Mr. Miracle trying to escape the black racer. Um, so what did you think? Of you know, I, I liked it a lot. Um, what I found confusing is I couldn't figure out where he where this guy fits in the continuity. Yeah, I you know, I know less about Shiloh Norman, Mr. Miracle, than I do about Scott Free, Mr. Miracle. And because right. it, uh, Scott Free is kind of the iconic interpretation, whereas Shiloh Norman, I think, came in later. Um, he, he is, Scott, I think Shiloh Norman is a, is a human who has, who's actually right. a magician who's taken on the mantle of Mr. Miracle when Scott Free didn't. Um, so I think that's what we're seeing here. I, I'm not as familiar with the character, but I mean, I thought it was, it, it, that didn't take away from my enjoyment of it. Um, I will say it feels to me, and perhaps, you know, because we live in the era of biweekly books, it feels like it's been a while since Mr. Miracle number one, um, since that. It does uh, feel that way. Mitch Jared's book. So I hope that she twos do out soon. Yeah, I I, I did like the book. Um, I I've always a little uh, I'm always a little weirded out by Black Racer because he seems like such a one note character. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was interesting to see his backstory a little bit more in this. So, and I, I really liked the scene where Orion and Light Ray were standing over his hospital bed, you know, asking him if he was really up to the challenge. I thought that was a nice scene. Yeah. You know, it, it's funny you mentioned the Black Razor. I feel like it's 2017 and we have not figured out a way to reinterpret that character in a way that makes him interesting. Right. Yeah, that looks less stupid. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he's basically death, but he rides on skis. And here's the yeah. thing: I know Silver Surfer at his concept level is it, it's basically the same as Silver Surfer in his original interpretation as the Herald of Galactus, except Silver Surfer had a surfboard, and this guy has skis. I get, I get the similarities. However, Silver Surfer <laughs> look is it, you know has a visage that's that's cool looking. The black racer is still just a guy on skis. Like, give me something else. <laughs> a surfboard is way cooler than skis. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. The, you yeah. Know, it was like, okay, he, he's, he's still on the skis. 2017. We still haven't figured out a way to, to get that character looking cool. I did like that. Miracle man stole one of his skis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I thought it was a good book. I, I found it a little bit confusing, but I, I was entertained. Agreed. Agreed. And I enjoyed both of these books. And I will say um, I have enjoyed DC's tribute to Jack Kirby this month. Um, you know, we just passed Jack Kirby's 100th birthday. Uh, you know, the guy, his his contributions to not just modern day comic books, but modern day media are innumerable. Did, did, did you get in on the uh, Phil Hester 100 Kirby's this no, year, Paul? No, I didn't. And I, sh- I wanted to. And I just I flaked on it. Because I don't feel yeah. like it was actually on his birthday. I felt like it, maybe it came a couple days before, so that yeah, he he uh, he posted the slots on August twenty first, uh, and when I remembered to check, they were all gone. Damn. Yeah, it's gotten so big that I mean, it's just it's it's impossible to get in. Yeah. 
Uh, I mean, you, you you almost got to force Friday it. You got to you got to wait in line. Yeah. And here's the thing: it's not just Phil Hester doing sketches. He also brings in all star talent to do inks on on all the sketches. Right. So it's it's pretty incredible. Yeah. Well, next year for 101 Kirby's, uh, I'll, I'll I'll get in line early, Aaron. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have to take the day off and just you know hover over social media so I can get in there. Yeah. So uh, you know, this is our first time recording with Tim and Wayne in a couple of weeks, so we wanted to get caught up on a couple of books that we hadn't talked about. Uh, Wayne, you read Nightwing: The New Order. I read it as well, so I'm very curious to hear your take on it. Nice. I didn't realize you'd read it, Paul. So I don't know if DC still uses the Elseworlds imprint at all because this should have been labeled an Elseworlds book. Yeah, they don't use the imprint now that they've established the the fifty two universes. Um, they, they, maybe they'll bring it back after Metal is done. Uh, but yeah, I, it, th- this is very clearly an Elseworlds book, but it doesn't have the little logo on the cover. Exactly. So when I first saw it on uh, Comicsology, I thought it was just a Nightwing miniseries. So I read the description of it, and it describes a future world where Nightwing is responsible for all of the superpowered heroes going away. So that kind of piqued my interest. I picked it up and right within the first few pages, you get a very gruesome depiction of kind of what happened. Uh, you have a Superman on the ground bleeding with, you know, things running through him, asking him why. And Nightwing is seen as the savior of the world for having taken out all of the superpowered heroes Anyone that has superpowers is forced on medication or they are imprisoned. So it's still it's only part one of the other miniseries. There's a lot of mysteries and questions built into it. But I I enjoyed the initial premise and setup. Uh, for a story like this, you've got to have a superpowered person out there in the background working against it. And I think they made an excellent choice. You know, Wally West is still out there with his powers. I like that it's Wally and not Barry because it's better interactions with Nightwing that way. And to be honest, I've always liked Wally better than Barry. But that Flash is the one that they haven't been able to catch makes perfect logical sense to me. Uh, I will say the story overall is a little bit... uh, You see what's coming. It's a little bit obvious. It's not really subtle in its gives. You kind of get where the first issue is going to end right away. But overall, I'm enjoying this. It's a different story. I've really missed those Elseworlds stories because I was a big fan of Elseworlds, and I haven't seen a good one in a while. So, Paul, I'm curious your take on it. Yeah, so, you know, I picked it up because it's Kyle Higgins, and I'm a a big fan of his writing on Nightwing. Uh, Trevor McCarthy is the artist. He was also the artist on the Kyle Higgins-written Gates of Gotham miniseries, which I enjoyed. Um, I didn't necessarily love the art on the book, uh, but... I thought the story was fine. I, uh, to your point, yes, I found it very predictable. Um, I'm hope and and they even referenced that. They're like, you probably see where this is going, don't you? So I'm yep. hoping that the story will take a different turn. Uh, but it just basically seems like Nightwing made a choice, and this story is going to be about Nightwing um, getting redemption for his choices and uh, you know protecting his son. Uh, but that being said, I, I I'm interested in it. I'll I'll continue with the storyline. It's only a six issue miniseries. Uh, I do think they should have thrown an Elseworlds slap on the cover, um, yes. logo on the cover, or even inside, like, hey, you know, like an intro page that says, this is a different world, this is not the DC universe you know, because you and I know, because we read 
you know, news and, and, and we read the description of the book, but the average comic, the average fan who's, you know, going to the comic shop and picks and sees, oh, Nightwing, I didn't know there was a Nightwing book coming up, picks it up, takes it home, is not going to necessarily know that this is an Elseworlds when they first pick it up. Yeah, and looking at it, there are two covers, and one of them you really would have no clue. The uh, the one that just says uh, up, up, and away written on the wall, yeah. and he's there in costume. There's no way to even, you know, pick out that it could be an Elseworlds story there. The other one maybe you could get, but to be honest, looking at the cover, I would have no idea this wasn't wasn't just a regular miniseries if I hadn't read the description. Yeah, agreed. You know, speaking of Elseworlds, did, has anybody seen the trailer for um, the Gotham by Gaslight movie that's coming out? No. How's it look? It actually looks really good. I'm really looking forward to it. See, I enjoyed Teen Titans uh, Judas Contract quite a bit after hating Justice League versus Teen Titans. It's funny. I never saw the Judas Contract. But yeah, I'm, I'm Gotham by Gaslight looks like it's really well done. Uh, it's it's going to incorporate not just the Gotham by Gaslight, but also the sequel. The, I think it was called Master of the Future, both written by Brian Augustine. Uh, but yeah, I I, I I'm I think that's coming out later this year, maybe I think if I remember like fall time frame. Um, but uh, the fact that they're starting to interpret those books, I I know the next couple movies are going to be um, the Death and Return of Superman. But I, I heard that they were going to do they were looking into doing a Red Sun movie as well. That was what I was about to say. Is I really hope they do a Red Sun because there, uh, there's probably two Elseworld stories I'd like to see more than any others made into movies, and that's uh, Red Sun and then the Batman one where um, I can't remember the name of the story, but it's the one where he becomes a vampire. Red Rain. Yes. Yeah. I'd love to see that made into one. Me too. That was a great book or series of books. There were three of them. So Tim, Mr. Tim, Timbo, Timmy, Tim Timmery. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> I was waiting for the question. I, I was I was about to, to dust off my Tim impersonation. <laughs> so God damn it. This God is damn it. Yeah, God damn it. <laughs> so you wanted to talk about this trade paperback that you read from Boom Studios. So I want you all to know that Aaron is is a kind and generous man. He he has a lot of charities. Not so much about people that are underwater, but for un, un uh you know, in underprivileged comic fans, he 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 likes to give comics, as you'll see with when you call into the podcast and get surprises. Um, so I he gave me a care package, and in it was Superbia. This is a uh, a book by Grace Randolph and uh, from Boom Studios. And this was the first four issues, and I remember reading issues one and two with you guys and i i don't know why it fell off the radar probably because it's it was boom and i i you know it's not as easily available at the comic store you got to kind of dig for it a little bit but um i gotta say uh i i kind of rekindled the reason i liked i love this book um this is a book about the the people that are left behind the 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 husbands the wives the you know the children of the superheroes and, um, you know, what, what happens to them when they interact with the superheroes, what, what they do when they're out and about. Um, and I, I gotta say, uh, I was, I was really impressed by the, by the writing as and I, like I said, I remember, I remember when we talked about it originally being impressed as well. So this is, this is something that's been out for a while. Um, and I honestly, I, I don't know if it's still continuing or not, but 
um, this little four issue arc was was really good, and it's got me excited for Aaron to pick up the second part so they can give it to me in a year. <laughs> well, I'm glad well, you like that book, Tim. I, I I I enjoyed Superbia quite a bit, and I own it digitally. Uh, it's a great story. I I, I love that. Yeah, yeah, um, and uh, yeah. So that's my retro review because I was I was lazy and I said. Black, Black Racer? No, I'm not reading that. That's that's ridiculous. <laughs> so this this is why I brought to the table sarcasm and superbia, and I and I and I feel like that's about what I all I need to bring. That that, that works just fine. <laughs> no, it wasn't an A, but it wasn't an F today. <laughs> so Comicsology has not released next week's uh, books. So I'm not entirely sure what's coming out next week, other than obviously new issues of the bi-weekly series from DC Comics like Superman and Batman and those types of books as well. Uh, it looks like some, um, you know, we're, we're getting into the Harley Quinn 25th anniversary stuff, so we're going to see lots of Harley Quinn trade paperbacks if you're a fan. Uh, but what I do want to mention is, you know, we were talking about Force Friday at the beginning of this episode. Uh, we have our Force Friday video out on YouTube. It's doing really well. So uh, if you're at IOMGeek.com, uh, you know, just click the little YouTube link or go to YouTube.com slash Ideology of Madness and check out our Force Friday video. Uh, it was it was a lot of fun. Um, you'll see a lot of people climbing over each other. Uh, I, I did not film the people literally sprinting through Target to get to the toy section, uh, but there's still plenty of goodness in there. I just, I just have this. I, I've overlaid uh, Zoidberg on as people are running through Toys R Us or Yakety Sacks. Like one of the two has to be overlaid. On Anything is funny with Yakety Sacks over it. It really is. You could just combine the two. Yep. All right, gentlemen. Well, hey, it was good having everyone on the mics this week. Wahoo! All right, guys. You have a good one. You too. Bye. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.